the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. AM 970 presents Eye on Real Estate. This is your premier source for real estate information. From the hot properties in the tri-state to the latest in real estate market trends. From mortgage news to answers to all of your real estate questions, you'll be in the know with help from the experts. Call now, 866-970-9622. 866-970-9622. Now, here's your host for Eye on Real Estate, Douglas Elliman's CEO, Dottie Herman. Beautiful day, and I'm Dottie Herman, and you're listening to I Am Real Estate. Of course, we're the only show on talk radio that is about real estate and the millions of things that have to do with real estate, which is this new decade, which is really even more important than it ever was. Um, we always love to hear from you, so you can call in at 866-970-9622. Um, that's 866-970-9622. Um, with us is my co-host, Stephen Ebert, who specializes in real estate law, both residential and commercial. Stephen is a partner at Kasson & Kasson LLP, which has offices in Manhattan, Westchester, Dallas, Phoenix. So, of course, anything legal, you're welcome to call. Steve is with us, 866-970-8622-9622. And, of course, Ace, who is an incredible Mortgage finance man, knows everything about mortgages, refinances, anything you want to know. And he's here with us. And he's probably about the most knowledgeable guy in financing that I know. And of course, we want to be, think, say a big thank you to Citizens Bank, which works with Douglas Elements Preferred Lender. And Citizens sponsors our show. So we want to thank them profusely. They are really behind us. I've used Citizens for all my mortgages. Citizens is one of the nation's oldest and largest financial institutions. So we thank them for their support. We're very happy to have at 11 o'clock, we'll be joined by Esther Mueller. Esther Mueller is a quintessential entrepreneur with over 30 years um, of real estate experience in the market. And she is also the co-founder and certified New York master coach in real estate. As a co-founder of the Real Estate Academy and a master coach, Esther Mueller has been educating real estate professionals for over 20 years. If you want to know how to get into real estate or how to grow in real estate or how to do better in real estate, she's going to be able to answer all of your questions and tell you. And for those of you who are thinking about a career in real estate, I don't think there's any better time to get into real estate. It is booming. It is absolutely booming. And... Um, it's a great business. And I guess one of the wonderful things I love about it, besides living real estate, is that you get to meet the most interesting people. Um, you can, it's never the same. It's never dull. There's always a different customer. There's always a different problem. You're always negotiating a different house. You meet great sellers. You meet great buyers. You just meet a lot of great people. I'm sure you find the same thing, Steve. And uh, Oh, I mean, we... 
I mean, I, I, obviously we can't, unfortunately, reveal clients' name, but I'll, I'll tell you, we've had uh, athletes, we've had family members of elected leadership and politicians and developers, and I've actually represented uh, two Nobel Prize winners. Like, and, and it's fascinating to just have a conversation. And, and what, what's amazing is that regardless of what people do, whether in science or medicine or sports or politics, they all have a connection to real estate. It's sort of a common denominator amongst everyone. It's what I say. You know what I say? Real estate is kind of a universal language. Everyone wants to know about it, whether you, whether you rent, whether you buy, whether you live in the U.S., whether you live in Canada, Europe. Real estate is kind of a universal language. Everyone wants to know about it. And actually, everyone wants to know about New York real estate and what's happening. Um, by the way, you can reach me on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, or you can email me at Zadi at ZadiHerman.com, or you can follow us on our new Facebook page for Ion Real Estate, which is exciting news. And if you have any questions for Stephen or Ace, they will link you right to their sites so you can ask your question direct. Um, so we're happy at, well, about that. I usually, in the beginning of the show, like to update you on very current things that are happening right at this moment. So a good news uh, is New York City apartments have seen a burst of activity as the market in New York City is starting to stabilize. The New York City rental market has been in a world of pain for a year, but spring has brought a sense of optimism for landlords as plummeting rents have begun to stabilize. So rents that were really going down, down, down have started to stabilize. So that's good news for um, landlords and for New York, because um, being in New York, which we all are, you start to see it coming back. There's activity, there's people. Um, some of the restaurants are open, and I think more of them are going to open. I think, is it June that everything opens in New York City again? Is it June 1st? Well, it's, it's, it's interesting. There seems to all of a sudden now be a competition between de Blasio and Cuomo again as to who can say the earliest open date. So they said July 1, and they said no before July 1. Um, and, and so we'll see what happens. But I'll tell you, I was talking to a couple of my client, uh, my colleagues. They were – one was at one of the famous steakhouses. One was at a Greek restaurant. Places were packed. But, you know, they, the places, they had no, they had no room left um, for tables. Um, and, and people were inside. They were outside. And it was nice to see that. And also it was interesting – and this is something different, and this is a nice sign to see. There were not just people going out to eat socially, but also there were working lunches and dinners, which is very important because that's also part of the story about people going back to work and having work meetings, which is a critical element. Sure, I think that's why a lot of the restaurants, because I had uh, out-of-town guests this weekend, this week, and it was hard to find places open for lunch. And the reason I think they're not all open yet is because until people come back to work, you know, that's really what the, the lunch crowd was people that were working. So it's all starting to come back. And as the weather gets nicer and as we get more and more vaccines, I think you're going to see it really come back differently, but come back. And it's so nice to see because... I would tell you six months ago, it was truly a ghost town. Okay. And now I'm complaining about traffic again. 
So as much as I'm complaining, that's good news, right? Well, Daddy, um, you're a New Yorker, which yeah. means you have the right to complain about something at any given time. <laughs> so, you know, the weakness uh, of the rental market seems to have really stabilized. And we have nearly 25% of all New Yorkers vaccinated. And I think that's going to continue to grow. And I think that's really going to make a big difference, people. But I will tell you, even though I'm not sure which, I think the president says one thing, and they say you don't have to wear masks outside, then I see people wearing them. I would tell you that, you know, not that I've been all over the world in the last year, you really couldn't go far. But I would tell you that New York is pretty, pretty diligent on safety. I see people really wearing masks even outside still. I mean, you know, they said you don't have to wear masks outside. That's what I thought they said. Although I think the president said something different. I'm not sure which one to go with. But I think New York is really because we we were the epicenter of the pandemic. I think they're very, I think they're a lot more careful than in other states. Uh, and still are. Because when I was in Florida, I thought I was in another country. Um, if you are thinking of getting into real estate and you are thinking of buying, let me just say this, real estate prices have dropped in Manhattan and they are selling for less. Um, 97%, 97% of the 2,500 Manhattan homes that sold during the first quarter of this year uh, closed at or below asking price. So mostly everything closed, I would say below asking price. And it's very rare that you get bargains in New York City. So if you are planning to buy something, you should think about doing it now, it's a perfect time. New development, which is anything that's brand new, they see a record of activity. New development is very excited because um, they really have seen no activity and the second quarter surpassed um, all the other quarters. And in March alone, Barry signed contracts to purchase 400 sponsored units across Manhattan, Brooklyn, and Queens. And, you know, they're very, they said they started a low uptick, but things are getting heated up. And people are coming back. People are coming back. People are buying and people are buying at good prices. So that's all good. What's selling the most are bigger apartments because since the pandemic, people have really decided, you know what? I want more space. And because I think that even after the pandemic is well be beyond us and hopefully gone, um, people got used to working at home. And I, I kind of think that that trend will not stop. I think after the pandemic, people will have a hybrid where they work at home and they, they work at home and they work at the office. Maybe they'll work at home two or three days, the office two or three days. And so because you can work at home, more people want to have larger space. So in the city, uh, you'll see people who are trading up to find larger apartments. So larger apartments are very, very popular. Of course, outdoor space always was and continues to be. So those are all positive things. I love when I can report positive things. Um, and this is all very current. 
and they are trading up, moving up. Retailers, okay? And I was at a mall the other, I guess Thursday, I actually went to Hudson Yards. And um, the mall, to my surprise, the entire mall was open. Every store was open. And I said to them, gee, like, how long have you been open? They said, we've been open for the last six months. Now, I can't tell you that the mall was very busy. Um, and that Hudson Yards is a fairly new mall. So, you know, I'm, you know, I, I, you know, it's not a mall that's been around 100 years or 50 years that a lot of people have always gone to. But every store is open. The only thing that wasn't open in the mall are the restaurants. So um, I did see people there. Not, as I said, not many. But I think as we, you know, as we head towards the summer months and as more people get vaccine, people are feeling safer to do things like that. And I think they project that people are going to spend a lot of money this year. Why? Because take me, for example, I'm a clothes walk. I love clothes. I couldn't buy anything. I'm like, even if I could buy something, where am I wearing it to? I used to get a, a, a girl from a salesman from Palm Beach in a shop that I used to buy clothes in when I was in Florida. And she would be sending, Dottie, this would look great on you. And Dottie, this would look sensational. And I said, well, maybe so. But where am I supposed to wear it? In front of my mirror, looking at myself? There's nowhere to go. So I think as far as in the fashion business, clothing will still be a little bit more casual. I don't think it'll be too, too formal. But people are looking forward to getting dressed again and getting out of their sweatsuits or sweatpants. Um, and some of the... Um, some of the conventions and things that were only on Zoom, a few of them are starting to open up where you could actually go. And I'm not saying the audiences are huge yet that actually physically go, but everything is starting to really come back together. And we're starting to see some signs of normal, normalcy. We are going to uh, build the first soccer stadium. I thought there was, it's going to be built in Queens. And it's a major league soccer team in New York City. And it's the first and only one we have. And they're scheduled to build that. And that's a good thing. As far as the commercial uh, industry, well, the commercial guys tell me, they say malls are back. Many landlords are telling me that. They're saying after a devastating year, because no one went to a mall, okay, landlords say shoppers are heading back in droves. Uh, they said in March, foot traffic was up 86% at 50 shopping centers tracked by firms. And uh, they say they are also improving as shoppers look to get out of their houses and spend their government stimulus checks. Now, if you have government stimulus checks, let me give you a word of caution. Make sure you pay your bills first before you go buy those extras. Okay. It might seem like a lot of free cash, but make sure you take care of the things that you have obligations to, such as rent or any payments that you missed. And then when you have extra, then go buy your uh, clothes and your frivolous things. But landlords also say the collection rates have improved, okay? And they are getting their rent, they're getting their rents a lot more. Uh, so that's all good news. The office space, well, that's still a problem. Um, it's going to take a long time to figure out the office space, and they're trying to look at reconfiguring it, what, what they could do with it. Uh, 
But I did read, and I can't remember what company, but it was a company that is saying to their employees, not only that you have to come back to work, you can't work remotely. So um, I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell you, Dottie, on that one, on, on both the office space and that, we as a law firm, we've actually set a policy Monday, Monday, May 3rd, uh, everyone back to the office unless there's a special circumstance. Um, and, and, you know, you know, we've looked at it. We've given everyone an opportunity to get vaccinated and so forth, and it's all available. And unless if there's a special circumstance back in the office and, and you know, we're in the suburbs in Westchester, we're two blocks from Grand Central in the city. And, and I'll, what's interesting is I'll say that 90 some odd percent of the employees embraced it. You have a few who, you know, maybe a little concerned or maybe they have some plans and so forth. But generally speaking, they get it. And I'll tell you, there's a good chunk of the employees. They came back. Maybe some were a little hesitant already this past week. And they were actually thrilled to see their colleagues again. And it affects all the efficiency. And so I, I personally think, you know, there's a great saying, things are never as good as they seem. They're never as bad as they seem. You know, I think the work from home on occasion here and there is nice, but ultimately people realize you need atmosphere, you need interaction, and um, it, it, Zoom doesn't fully replace it. No, and and I think that it's a big it's a big part of the of the employers really trying to push their employees to come back because let's face it, when you get used to working at home a lot, you can get into that whole routine of just working at home and wearing sweatpants, just making sure the top half of you looks okay. And so, because it really will help the city when people come back to work, it will help the restaurants, it will help retail, it will help everything. So I think um, all the employers are really trying to all do what they can to help New York come back quicker. We always knew it was gonna come back, but hopefully it'll be quicker than anybody thought. So that's good. Steve, what's going on with foreclosures and evictions? I'm hearing they could be halted for the rest of 2021. So, I, you know, I don't have a complete answer yet because we're right now, I think, at a very important inflection point on foreclosures, evictions, tax policy opening up. Everything is sort of happening right now in real time. Um, there was you know, when we spoke earlier this year, right around now, you know, today's May 1, in May, was when things were starting to change again. But there's still executive orders that are out there. So I, I think we're sort of still in a wait and see. But I will say, for those of you who are having issues, the next couple of weeks, we're going to get some critical guidance and know what's going to happen, I think, for the rest of the year. Um, it, it's really it, it's really a little bit of a question mark. I see a lot of different things out there. So I don't have a final answer on that one, unfortunately. Okay, because I, I I have read that the tenant for the you know the that the order establishes additional other criteria and it said the tenant has to have tried to obtain government and rental assistance. That the tenant's income eligibility requirements is expected that their 2020 income is less than 99,000 or 198,000 if it's a joint. I mean, they have some things. I don't know if they're... they're There's some things. There's even a talk of this concept of universal rent control, um, which we can bring up after the break. I know we're getting acute for a commercial. 
And, and, but there, there are, there's a lot of, you know, it's, concepts out there right now and in, in under discussion. And, so, and that's, I think, the critical thing. We have to really watch it very closely. Okay, but after the break, maybe tell people what they should plan on. If they're going to be evicted or not, or they're going to get some time. Um, we'll be right back. We'll be right back. Have you ever wanted to learn a new language like French, Spanish, or Russian, but thought it would be too difficult and time-consuming? Then go to Babbel.com and try it for free. Babbel works because it's built around real life. It teaches you everyday practical conversations that you will actually use. In 15 minutes a day, you'll be on your way to speaking a new language in just a few weeks. Babbel uses a modern conversation-based technique that makes language engaging, fun, and memorable. It starts by teaching you words and phrases. Then, sentences gradually get more complex. Soon, you're practicing short conversations about real-life topics. Babbel is created by language experts who use the space repetition method to help you learn quickly and remember what you learned. With Babbel, you can speak a new language. Babbel, language for life. Celebrating 10 million subscriptions sold. Now try Babbel for free at Babbel.com. Just go to Babbel.com and start learning a new language today. That's Babbel.com. B-A-B-B-E-L.com. Receive a $5 rebate by trading up any non-contact thermometer toward an exergen temporal scanner purchased at any retailer. Fever is a leading symptom of COVID, and using an accurate thermometer has never been more critical. In published studies, no-touch thermometers miss more fevers than they detect. While the new COVID vaccines are becoming more widely available, it's important to make sure you are protected. Monitor for fever with an accurate thermometer backed by more than 80 published peer-reviewed clinical studies. Details at exergen.com, where accuracy matters. Tell me why Relief Factor is so successful in lowering or eliminating pain. I'm often asked that question. Pete and Seth Talbot, the father and son founders of Relief Factor, tell me they believe our bodies were designed to heal. That's right, designed to heal, and now I agree. The doctors who formulated Relief Factor for Pete and Seth selected the four best ingredients, 100% drug-free ingredients that each help your body deal with inflammation. That's correct. Each of the four ingredients deal with inflammation on a different metabolic pathway. That right there. Approaching your pain from four different angles may very well be why so many Americans find such wonderful pain relief. If you have back pain, shoulder, neck, hip, knee, or foot pain from exercise or even just getting older, you must order the three-week quick start now. Discount it to only nineteen ninety-five to see if it will work for you too. I think it could. Give your body what it needs to heal itself. Go to relieffactor.com, call 800-500-8384, relieffactor.com. Craving delicious Italian food? Well, Michael's of Brooklyn is back again. Indoor seating is now available for diners by reservation only, and spaces are limited. Michael's follows all the CDC guidelines to ensure the safety and health of their patrons and employees. Have that signature Italian dish indoors. For reservations, call 718-998-7851. That's 718-998-7851. Michael's of Brooklyn, serving the community since 1964. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or radio.com. Your business is ready for a reboot, a recharge. The way our companies operate has changed. Adapting to the changes hasn't been easy, but never more important to succeed. Many of the digital resources available have helped overcome obstacles your business is facing. But are you using the full potential of every one of them? That's where Salem Surround can help. 
Your business needs to use digital tools more than ever to stay in touch with customers, making buying decisions right now and for the future. Will they consider or even know about you? The marketing team at Salem Surround gives you the tools needed to stand out and be visible to current and potential customers online right now looking for what you do. We'll design a plan that targets and surrounds customers with proven marketing strategies. Contact Salem Surround for a free evaluation of your marketing plan and see how we can help place your advertising message in front of today's consumers. Learn more at surroundnewyork.com. Surroundnewyork.com. Connecting you with new customers. It's I on Real Estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. Here's Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman. We're back, and we're going to continue listening to I on Real Estate. And we were in the midst of talking about you know, what's going on with foreclosures, what's happening. Uh, do you have to the end of the year? Do you have till July? Um, so, Steve, you were starting to talk about What's actually happening? Yeah, so, you know, when it comes to foreclosures, when it comes to evictions, there's a lot that's going to be happening this month. And so a little bit of a wait and see. But even if evictions are fully allowed, the fact that there's going to be such a backlog that it's going to take many, many months. And and New York is notorious for not being the fastest place when it comes to landlord-tenant to begin with. But I do want to talk about something. um, It's a little concerning that's being taken up by the legislature, this concept of a universal rent control. We do have rent stabilization and rent control laws predominantly in New York City. Um, They really came about um, right after World War II for rent control and later on, um, you know, in in the 70s with rent stabilization. Um, But they're now talking about as an idea to have rent control universally throughout the state of New York. And the concept, and again, I want to be very clear, what I'm talking about is being under discussion by the state assembly and state senate. It is not a law. It is not on the governor's desk at this moment. But I think it's so important um, and concerning that people should be aware of it. On the one hand, it sounds nice. And here are some of the things that are in there. The idea that a tenant is in good standing and has paid their rate, their rent, if they want it, should have the automatic right to renew. Um, that rent increases year over year would be limited to a 5% increase. Um, And you'd need to have basically a good cause, right, for for eviction. Um, And really pushes um, the balance much more towards the tenants. On the one hand, if you're a tenant, that may sound very, very nice. On the other hand, I I do want to give a warning. I think there's some really big problems with it. One if you limit someone's ability to make a profit, and remember, if you arbitrarily say rent can only go up 5%, what about the costs of the landlord? What about taxes? What about insurance? What about water? Those expenses may increase at a higher rate. And if the landlord's not making money, and let's face it, people, when people run a business and being a landlord is being in a business, then they're not going to put money back into the real estate. So you can't have it both ways. Your landlord's not going to subsidize a nice building for you if they're not going to have the rent to support that. So that's a real concern. And we saw the problems of this in the 70s and the 80s when the quality of the real estate inventory went way down and landlords weren't maintaining buildings because they had caps on what they could earn. So that's a very, very big issue. 
And personally, as a lawyer, I, I feel that this is potentially unconstitutional because we have this concept that the government can't do a taking, right? The government can't well, really is not pick winners and losers. And you're basically taking private property that the landlord owns. And you're saying you bought it one way. And now we're taking a portion of this because you can't really charge what the market would allow you to charge. Um, yeah, how it's going to create distortion. Like, how is that constitutional to tell a landlord you could get X amount of money and that's what the going rate would go for and that's what people would pay, but we're not going to allow you to do that? Is that legal? I, I don't. I, I, I think if they pass the law and somebody challenges it, and I'm sure there'll be a multitude of landlords that would challenge it, I, I think the law should be declared unconstitutional, ultimately be overturned. You know, we, people say, but wait a minute. If I'm saying that this universal rent control concept is unconstitutional, how do we have any rent control or rent stabilization? The reason those programs exist is that they're programs. Landlords entered into programs and got a subsidy or better property taxes or got something, and they basically made a deal. And if you voluntarily make a deal, then that's okay. But what's being talked about now is different, that the government by fiat would say, no, 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 no. What you thought was a free market private property that you may have had for decades, now you can't quite do what you used to be able to do yesterday. And that, and that smacks of really being a taking. Um, and I think it's, it's, maybe it's good intentions and maybe it sounds good, but it's like giving somebody ice cream sundaes for every meal. It may be tastier than spinach, but you're not going to be too healthy if all you have are ice cream sundae giveaways. And, and wouldn't that, like, in a time when the city really doesn't need people, the city needs people buying stuff now, wouldn't that discourage people who are investment, people who are buying investment properties to buy? Absolutely. It sends completely the wrong message. The message right now should be, we're here, we're open for business, it's a wonderful place to live, work, and play, and you want to be here. And you're basically sending the message, well, it's a nice place to live, but you know, it's not a great place to work because why would you, your money can't work for you. And if we're already sending a message of maybe taxes are going up and who knows what they're going to be, why are you throwing you know, an, another, an, creating another issue. And it's really, in my opinion, a self-inflicted wound. And the irony of the whole thing is rents have gone down, right? With the pandemic, rents have gone down. So why are you trying to create a cap, which is anti-real estate, anti-investing and making properties nicer and better at the time when demand has gone down a little bit and rents have gone down? It, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Unfortunately, I think that a lot of the, and that this is not a party issue, Democrat, Republican. This is just a lot of officials. I don't really think things, they don't think things through. I think they might have good intentions, but they really don't think it through. And um, some of them never had a job in their life. So <laughs> sometimes I think they're not practical. And of course, that's not saying that we don't think there should be aid for people who need it. But that is really a would de-incentivize anyone from buying investment property in a time when you want people buying in New York, you want people believing in New York, and people are coming down. I was, um, I'm on a group, it's called Citizens for a Safer and Better New York, and I meet, um, and uh, uh, I don't have the address now, but I will give it to you next week, because anyone's welcome to come, and 
People come every week. Some people come once in a while. And it's very eclectic, all different types of people, you know, young, old, big jobs, no, no jobs. People just come and want to help New York and want to make it back to the New York that it was, and it's getting there. And um, you would be surprised how many people are really, really digging in and how many, I think we're going to have a more vibrant New York. I think younger people are coming. Um, and I think that as the weather gets nicer and as things start to open up, because truthfully, in January and February, besides that the weather was bad, I was in New York and I left. And I was in Florida and I was feeling guilty to be in Florida for more than 10 days. But Sarah, somebody said, well, Donnie, what are you coming back for? Nothing's really open. Not many people are coming back to the offices yet. So I said, I guess you're right. And I stayed. So as things open up in restaurants and offices, you will see more and more. And as I can tell you, there is traffic again in New York. So um, it's all it's all going in the right direction, in my opinion. But you really need to be informed. And I and I would say again to you, please, no matter what your preference is, I know we have uh, for mayor. There's probably about twenty seven candidates. I I can't remember who's who because there's a lot of them. Do take the time to vote this year if you live in New York City because um, I think a lot of people really don't vote. And um, I will tell you that it's really important. Again, you know, and I'm not endorsing anyone. There's so many of them. I'm not really sure which one's which yet. But take the time to vote and like learn about the issues um, because when nobody votes, then you just get what you get. So. Uh, we really need somebody who knows how to shape the city up and who's going to really bring it back together. thought this was an interesting uh, topic that I read. It says, Battle of the Sexes. Who would want to own a home more, men or women? What do you think, Ace? Men or women? Uh, I think um, it's definitely a trend now and shifted. It used to be men. Now it's a lot of females, Dottie. And, and you know what they always say? We always say that if, it, if, if you're sitting down to marry a couple, make sure that you get the wife's consent because at the end of the day, they really are, are ruling the family, right? They're, they're making the big decisions. It's so, true. Um, I, it's yeah, true. I, I can tell you, I, I see women um, buying a lot more um, in the city and even, you know, in, in, in so many different parts of the country for sure. So, I know. Well, let me just say this quickly before the break. A single women want it more than their male counterparts. And now single women don't care if they're married or not. They want homes and they want them more than men. Um, that's 73% women opposed to 65% men. I think that's great. And you don't have to be married to want a home. <laughs> okay, we're going to be right back. Okay, we're going to talk a little about financing now. I have some questions for eight. Healthy sleep means a healthy lifestyle for both adults and children. Healthy sleep reduces the risk of physical and mental health problems and accidents at the Trinitas Comprehensive Sleep Disorder Center. The goal is to improve your health by improving your sleep. They conduct sleep studies for adults and children 12 months of age and up. 
They also accept most insurance plans, including all Medicaid HMOs, and they are accredited by the American Academy of Sleep Medicine and licensed by the state of New Jersey. The Trinitas Comprehensive Sleep Disorder Center is located at Homewood Suites Hotel by Hilton in Cranford. Treat yourself to a better rest. Call the Trinitas Comprehensive Sleep Disorder Center at 908-994-8694-908-994-8694-908-994-8694. Treat yourself to a better rest. This is Dennis Prager along with fellow host Mike Gallagher. We both want to invite you to join us for the trip of a lifetime to the Holy Land this October. I personally can't get enough of the great state of Israel and its historical significance. Join us to be amazed and inspired. Dennis and I have planned out every minute of this trip in detail with Salem Media Group and our trusted travel partner, Inspiration Cruises and Tours. You'll have the best experience imaginable. We're confident by October our trip will be safe, so register today worry-free until July 6th with no cancellation fees. We'll sail on the Sea of Galilee in boats that are replicas of the ones Jesus sailed in with his disciples. Experience unforgettable cuisine and join us for an authentic Sabbath service. It's something you'll never forget. Go to StandWithIsraelTour.com to register or call 855-565-5519. That's StandWithIsraelTour.com. Book worry-free until July 6th. Hi, Kevin McCullough. As you know, my friend, Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of your life. He didn't stop just by making the best pillow, which he did. Now Mike has gone and done it again, introducing my slippers. Uh, Mike has taken over two years to develop these slippers. They are designed to wear indoor and out all day long. Made with MyPillow foam and impact gel to help prevent fatigue, they are also made with quality leather suede. For a limited time, Mike is offering 40% off his new My Slippers. The My Slippers are so comfortable that you'll want to get some for the whole family. Call 800-651-0798 and use the promo code AM970 or go to MyPillow.com. Click on the radio listeners square and use promo code AM970. You'll also get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the Giza Dream bed sheets, the MyPillow mattress topper, my favorite, and MyPillow towel sets. Call 800-651-0798 and use the promo code AM970. Listen to AM970, The Answer, on Alexa, TuneIn, iHeart, or Radio.com. At Napa, we keep things moving. If it has wheels and an engine, we help keep it on the road. And if it's on the road, we have parts for it. And if you need a part, you can get it fast, like same-day pickup or next-day delivery fast. At Napa, when we're not thinking about cars, we're thinking about the people who drive them. Because when it comes to serving you in our community, our motor never quits. That's Napa know-how. Same-day pickup and next-day delivery available at participating stores and on in-stock items only. It's I on Real Estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. Here's Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman. We're back. You're listening to I on Real Estate. And before I have Ace uh, answer some questions for financing that were written in, I just want to make an announcement. If you happen to be in the Hamptons, um, there is going to be a Kentucky Derby party in Southampton at the Blue Mar restaurant, which is at 136 Main Street, Southampton. And um, you're welcome to come. There'll be complimentary champagne, mint juleps, 
uh, some more d'oeuvres and the race will be on the big screen. So we will have social distancing. So it's going to be a lot outside and, you know, inside you'll be social distancing. But I just thought I'd mention it because we're opening up the Hampton season with, okay, the Kentucky Derby. So I thought that was a, a, a fun thing to do. Now, getting back to mortgages, Ace, I have a question. It says, um, how much mortgage, Ace, how much should my mortgage be compared to my income? How much should my mortgage be? How do I figure that out? Yeah, the, the best rule of thumb is your mortgage should be anywhere between 28 to, I would say, 30% of your um, annual income or monthly income, right? Folks that go above and beyond the 30% threshold, um, it's, it's, not, it's not very ideal or it's not actually encouraged. So I would say, look, you know, banks will always approve you all the way up to 38% um, of your annual income. And in some cases, if you have compensating factors, they'll even go a little bit above that. But I would say to stay pretty comfortable, you want to stay right around the 30% mark. So just easy numbers. If you're making, let's say, $5,000 um, for the month, and that's total, total gross income, right? Your monthly payment on your mortgage shouldn't exceed 30%. So that's $1,500, um, you know, having an, a monthly income of $5,000. You just want to make sure you have enough room for other expenses, um, such as, you know, maybe other liabilities, um, living expenses, things of that nature besides your mortgage so that you, you give yourself enough room to save money and also live in a home. So many times we overextend ourselves, Dottie, and, and I've seen clients that you know, will have a mortgage payment be close to upwards of 50% of their income. And you just don't want to put yourself in that sort of financial constraint because if something happens at work or, you know, um, God forbid, you know, you get, you get let go, then that, that challenge of paying the mortgage, that's, that's on yourself, right? So that responsibility. So you just want to make sure that you have enough room to continue to continue to save for a rainy day and that you're, responsibly looking at your cash flow and your monthly obligations and um, you know you you budget accordingly so okay so what is your debt to income ratio DTI what does that exactly mean that's another question that's that's a great question so your debt to income ratio includes your mortgage payment along with your other liabilities and expenses and what they'll do is they'll divide that by your gross income per month and that'll come out to your debt to income ratio. Most banks will allow you to have at least up to 38% total debt to income ratio. Um, but, but like I said, if you want to be a little bit conservative, you want to stay right around the 30% mark, I would say even go up to 32%. But you don't really want to exceed that, that percentage. Once you get close to the 40% mark, 50% mark, Dottie, that's when you're, you're really, really putting yourself in a in a um, oh. very okay. You know. So why why am I reading Ace? It says maximum. Like there's, I, I read an example because I knew this was a question, so I kind of looked it up. Yeah, and it says example if you if you have a monthly gross income of five thousand dollars, and you already pay a thousand dollars per month on existing debts that you have, other debts, how much can you afford? And it says the maximum debt to income ratio is forty three percent. Is that correct? Does it seem yeah. high? that's 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 exactly what it is right it's at 43 percent 
I can tell you if you're at 43%, it's, it's pretty high Dottie. So the you banks are. will allow you. Yeah. The banks will allow you to go to 43%, but that's really stretching it because if anything happens whatsoever, financially, um, you're, you're going to be in a very, um, tough situation, right? So that's where I recommend clients to stay right around like the 30 to 32%. And look, you know, a lot of people are leveraging financing today. They're going to hit that sort of 43% mark, but it, but I would say if, if you can try to stay within your means and, um, you know, look for, look for a place, borrow a little bit less and just know, because if you're at 43% and you have, and you haven't included living expenses and entertainment and things of that nature, it's going to be very hard for someone to continue to build, um, savings and make that extra payment and things of that nature, um, for your mortgage payments as well. So. Okay, and so going along with this, their question was, is it typical that a lender would want to see two years employment history? Yes, that's very typical. Um, So if you're self-employed, you definitely need two years of um, employment history. If you're a W-2 wage earner, however, um, you could have a gap in employment. And as long as you've been working at your current um, job for less than two years, uh, we'll take a look at your um, your history, and you'll see, and you can still qualify. So you don't necessarily have to have two years of back to back history, as long as you've been in that same line of business for quite some time, but you have a little bit of a gap in employment, and you're a W two wage earned income, you can still qualify um, for a mortgage. So, okay, you know. I have quite a few questions. So another question was, keep I it coming, buy- Daddy. <laughs> I want to buy a million dollar home. How much income do I need for a million dollar home? Oh, um, you know, usually the rule of thumb is anywhere between and a very easy one for for someone to calculate is three to four times your annual income um, to qualify. Right. In, in today's low rate environment, it's usually about four times your income. So for a million loan, um, your income should be right around the 250,000 mark. Um, combined income, right? That could be yourself individually or combined income. Now, remember, I'm giving you a very quick uh, rule of thumb, you know, three to four times, usually around four times your income. Um, But that doesn't take into consideration your liabilities. So just keep that in mind. You should call four times. But you should call call someone on citizens to just get it clear. But as a rule of thumb, and as a rule of thumb, if I want to borrow a million dollars, do I have to put 20% down? So if you want to borrow a million dollars, that's another great question, Dottie. Um, the perception is you have to put 20% down, um, but you can actually put as little as 10% down if you qualify. Um, so, you know, we were talking about debt to income ratio. If your debt to income ratio is 38% or less, um, you, usually um, we want to see right around like 30% debt to income, then you can put 10% down if you want. So. And so, and again, um, so if I have a 760 credit score and no existing debt and a 20% down payment, could I be approved for a loan of roughly $720,000? Oh, definitely. Definitely, Dottie. Okay. So, you know, so there's not like one set way. It really depends on how much debt you have and how much down payment you have to put down. So uh, the bigger... Yeah, you always it costs you nothing. Call up citizens, call up someone in citizens, or send us a text, or go to Ion Real Estate and ask the question, and we'll be glad to let you know exactly 
Um, should you pay down debt? Like, in other words, if I want to afford, someone's asking, which I know the answer, but I'll let you answer it. <laughs> if someone wants to get a bigger mortgage, should I pay down some debt, especially credit card balances? You know what? I, I would say if someone's taking out a mortgage, you definitely want to leverage the low rates today. And um, it's almost, it, it's, it's, it's almost, you know, you have to look at your, your opportunity cost, right? If you're getting a mortgage for, let's say three and a half percent, you have the ability to now take out additional capital. Um, so something that's called a refinance cash out to pay off your other debts that you're currently paying maybe 13% rates on credit cards, or let's say nine or 8% rates on credit cards then that opportunity cost of you taking out an, an additional capital of 3.5% and paying off the debt that you're paying 13% or 8 or 9% on um, is definitely beneficial, right? Especially right now, Dottie, we've been talking about it for a long time. At rates of 3.5%, it's free money. Um, you should not be paying off your, your mortgage early if you have other debts that you should be saving your capital to pay off um, as well so that... Look, there's not one size fits all, Dottie. That's why it's so important for you to sit down with a financial planner, someone that's um, you know at Citizens Bank as a loan officer, just so that if you tell the loan officer your goals, they'll be able to put together a game plan for you um, that works, right? Because it's not one size fits all. Everybody has different goals. Everybody has different um, debt requirements and how, the, how much of debt they want to pay off. So picking the right mortgage and allowing yourself enough cash flow, it's so crucial because the days of the traditional 30-year fixed rates are pretty much out the door because there's so many other products as well. And, um, you know, our, our listeners should definitely equip themselves with the knowledge so that they can go ahead and make the best sounds decision, um, you know, for their financial, um, I guess, well-being. So. Right. Now, I don't know if he's on the line or if it's a question, but this is Andrew from the United Kingdom from the UK. I don't know if you're on the line, Andrew, or you just left this question. Um, pandemics affect yes, real here. estate around the world. Are you there? Well, good to hear from you. Yes. We love when you call us in the UK. And let me ask you before you ask a real estate question or talk about real estate, what's going on with the UK and and the, and the pandemic. Uh, it looks like we're coming out of the pandemic here, probably probably around May the 16th. Uh, we've got 45 million people vaccinated. I've had my first shot. I'm over 50, so. Um, oh, great! It's been yeah, so it's it's been interesting, but uh, definitely um, when it comes to real estate, the one thing I've found actually another. You know, in other countries, which I was going to talk about privately, but um, developments uh, when it comes to all over the world now want to use um, the American market to sell their videos of developments of listings, 20 million or up. And they're asking me uh, to contact them uh, with brokers, uh, CEOs, whatever, to sell their uh, listings on social media and uh, and one of them is Australia so um, have, have you found that Dottie in, uh, with people from different countries asking so that I, or 
Are you, Andrew, are you saying that people are feeling that they would sell their properties quickly, quicker to somebody from the U.S.? Yes, yeah, so it's it's a it's a case of an influencer. They they want somebody who who is a top notch broker, probably somebody on million dollar listing would, would fit the bill. I've got I work with so many different different types of people. So um, I, um, but the issue has always been how much money they're prepared to pay when it comes to marketing, because Australia is notorious for not wanting to pay too much money but they want to pay a lot of a percentage um, if that broker, um, you, know, the, you know, they're willing to pay like 10%, 12% just to get their listings, virtual listings, uh, on on with Ryan Serhant or uh, Frederick Eklund. Um, but I... Oh, yeah, uh, well, I, really... I can hook you up with that. No problem. If you... Uh... Get a hold of me if you just leave your number. I can call you and I can hook you up with them. And let me tell you a story. Uh, right before the pandemic, I had a man write to me from London. Um, but I don't remember that his house was in London. It was somewhere on the outskirts. And he told me that he had the oldest home. Uh, and it went through all these wars. And it had this whole history. And he felt that American people were more... That, that they believe that they appreciated history and, 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 and that type of thing better. And so he wanted us to market it. So um, obviously we weren't going to market it in London. They were going to do it in London, but we did take it on London. We did plenty of ads on it and we had a lot of inquiries. And if you would like me to hook you up with uh, the million dollar listing guys, I hired a lot of them personally. I, uh, Frederick, when he came to me, I'll never forget it. Uh, you know, he had some kind of a little bit of a past, uh, but I saw something in him. And I think he had he real estates in Sweet Denmark or wherever he lived. And I wasn't sure if everyone thought he should come to the company, but I really believed in him. Billion dollar listing wasn't on. And then when it came on, he had the opportunity to do it. And we didn't know really what million dollars thing was going to turn out to be. We took a chance on it. And obviously it's a major hit. And, uh, you know, Tracy's on million dollar living listings in California. She, we hired, I mean, so a bunch of them. So if you leave me a number to get a hold of you, I'll put you in touch with all of uh, those guys. And I'm sure you can work something out with them. I will be glad to do that. Okay, I think we're coming up to you. So don't forget, leave me your number and I'll call you during the week. Uh, coming up in the news and when we come back, we're going to have SMU's Queen of Real Estate, the biggest real estate school. going to tell you how to get into real estate and some of the investment strategies to use. She's also a big investor in real estate. Um, you won't want to miss it. So we'll be Ion Real Estate with Dottie Herman is sponsored by Citizens Bank N.A.